Thanks to ZocDoc for supporting the Apple Bits XL. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who accept your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or video chat. Go to ZocDoc.com slash AppleBits and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, a.k.a. BTZ, doing a nice, slow, and easy. Welcome, everybody. Uh, you know, I was just gone last week. I actually took a break. I, I know you didn't notice because I had a bunch of content, but then when I came back, um, I came back from my trip from Hawaii, and I got the COVID. So after two and a half years of being clean, you know, vaxxed, boosted, it's like having a bad cold, but I'm still recovering. But I still had to deliver you the content that you deserve. So we're doing an AppleBits XL audio podcast here. And today, we've got a special guest, Mark German from Bloomberg. He comes by and we kind of catch you all up on what's the latest around Apple. And then specifically, some of the things that we expect to see at WWDC 22. Will we have actual hardware? Is Apple planning to release hardware? That actually gets answered in this podcast. So thanks so much for hanging out, everybody. Hey, I say let's just jump into it. All right, everybody, special, special guest, Mark German from Bloomberg in the house, friend of the show. Hey, Mark, what's up, buddy? Thanks for having me. How are you? Doing good. Always, always cool to have you back on here. And uh, I know you're a busy guy because, look, I feel like right now this tends to be what some people might call like a tech lull. But you have been, quite honestly, arguably like creating content for I don't know how many, how many creators with all of your scoops and reports over the past month or so uh how's your sanity going bro sanity's good always good i'm uh happy to be uh you know working and um you know happy to contribute and you know appreciate getting to talk to uh creators like yourself so always always thanks, thanks for having me you know that um can you tell people you know where they can find your work because also i want i want them to be able to track you down yeah so uh, i'm on twitter at twitter.com slash at mark german you can subscribe to my column at Bloomberg.com slash power on uh, one word. And then obviously I'm at uh, Bloomberg.com, Bloomberg TV, uh, Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg Technology. So wherever you get Bloomberg, you can get me. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you you work for Bloomberg. I had I had no idea. No, it's, it's really good stuff. And for people listening, the power on newsletter typically comes out on Sunday. Is that correct? Yep. Sunday morning. You can subscribe. There's a free version and there's a paid version. And the paid version comes out uh, a bit earlier than the free one. So you get some of that news uh, first. So Excellent. All right. So let's just jump into it. I mean, the big event coming up is WWDC 22. And there's a lot of different OSs that you know we expect to see software-wise. We'll talk about hardware in a second. But you know, for me, the two operating systems that I feel need the most love this year would be iPadOS and watchOS. That's for me, you know. But for you... What what is the what are what is the thing that you're hoping to see the biggest improvement in? Biggest improvement I'm hoping to see in is sort of the iOS mm. uh, interface, right? So how iOS functions, not necessarily a redesign, but some of the you know underlying interface elements. Remember last year, uh, I believe they did that switch with iOS 15 uh, to moving the menu bar down on Safari and making some you know. It was a major interface change, mm -hmm. but obviously the same sort of overall design, right? So some usability changes across the system. 
Um, I think watchOS 9 might be the, uh, you know, one of the stars of the show. You'll see a lot of new uh, fitness apps. You'll see a lot of new Fitness Plus workouts. You'll see some new uh, health functionality having to do with AFib and, you know, other uh, health sensors already on the watch. Uh, later this year, obviously, you'll see the new watches with the body temp sensor. So building in software support uh, for that. Uh, Mac OS, I don't think that's going to be, you know, a, a major update by any means. I know the last, you know, several of the updates have been, you know, more on, on the minor side. Uh, iPad OS, obviously hoping for some major changes there, like multi-window support, a new multitasking interface. Um, TV OS, probably, you know, continuation of sort of the minor updates around the edges that we've been seeing, you know, every year or so with TVOS in the last several years. So looking out for, for things like that. You know, one thing I've noticed recently is, you know, I'm downloading fewer apps probably than mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. than I ever have. I sort of feel like for people who have been in the ecosystem for a while and using the iPhone for a while, sort of we've seen a plateauing uh, of apps. So maybe some, you know, increased personalization in the app store and some new features in the app store and some new features for uh, developers that might might get more uh, easy and interesting to continue to download apps more long term. You know, um, you talked about, you kind of posted in one of your recent power ons your idea of thinking of like, hey, uh, iPad OS needs some sort of a pro mode or, or a different mode that goes beyond um, what they have. I know this is you kind of um, throwing out your ideas, but, you know, I, I kind of wanted you to talk about that and expand on, okay, well, what does a pro mode to you look like? Right. And so, you know, Apple knows this is a problem and they've been trying to figure out a way to sort of thread the needle mm-hmm. between, you know, so-called pro iPad users and non-pro iPad users. And what you've seen on the Mac from the beginning of the Mac, there's always been one sort of version of Mac software, right? And obviously you can add to it, do customizations. You don't have to use the terminal. You don't have to use the finder or the file system. Uh, and you, you know, you make it as pro-ish as, as you'd like. Uh, but the iPad, I think, is a different beast, right? I think mm-hmm. the iPad w- was sort of introduced as being a very, you know, intuitive, easy-to-use interface for, pe- for people from, you know, three years old to 100 years old. <laughs> and obviously, that that's a wider age range than the Mac is probably, uh, you know, built for. And the iPad is probably built for a wider array of tasks than the Mac. And the Mac is more of a specialized sort of device, sort of maybe pro first, and mm-hmm. you can sort of dumb it down. But so I think there is room on the iPad for sort of two distinct interfaces or increased customization for pro users. And so I think Apple has been looking at ways to how they can sort of accomplish that. And one of the things they have been looking at is sort of that pro mode. So what I described actually is a project inside Apple and has mm. been a project inside Apple. Uh, there was a patent filed for it. Uh, actually, in the last few weeks or so, after Power On came out, obviously, and so that is something they are working on. I'm not. I don't think that they're going to launch that this year, right? I don't know if they'll ever launch it, but it's sort of the the point that I was trying to make with the column was that this is something that people want. This is something Apple knows people want. This is something they're working towards, and you know, I guess it's up in the air to see how that will ever come to fruition. But it's definitely something that I think uh, Apple needs to resolve. I think you'll see some steps towards increased pro support uh, 
in iPadOS uh, next month. Well, already next month. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I don't think we're going to see that full blown pro mode. Uh, yeah, I mean, the this, pro- this year. The promo that you talked about was similar. You you had mentioned basically when connecting a keyboard or when using the pencil, it potentially could have kind of a different state of mode by detecting that additional hardware, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, I'm not sure that's the uh, way Apple's going to ultimately go. I think there are some people who are going to want to use the iPad in you know, without a keyboard, right, without a mouse, just as the touchscreen device and want some of those additional pro features. So Apple has to figure out a way. You can't really release a software feature um, that only works, you know, in certain modes, right? You have to be able to release those pro features and make them work across pencil, across touch, and across trackpad and keyboard. So, you know, we've also seen that, Apple has kind of released or given the ability and have the hooks in macOS to talk to iPadOS and iOS now. Um, have you heard or is there any light at the end of the tunnel for people who continue to be like, okay, give me, quote unquote, more pro apps? I mean, is is this whole idea of Final Cut or Logic showing up on the iPad Pro still something that you don't expect to see anytime soon? Or, or where do you think it's they're at? You know, I saw some rumors over the past. I think I saw this rumor two years ago that Final Cut Pro and Xcode and mm-hmm. some of those apps mm-hmm. were supposed to launch the iPad two years ago. The rumor, uh, you know, came out again last year, and then I think it started cropping up again, you know, in recent months. Uh, based on what I've heard, is I don't think Final Cut Pro or Logic or Xcode have really ever been uh, in development for the iPad. I think those have all been. Uh, Mac-only development, so I'm not sure where those rumors came from. Uh, what you'll see is sort of a quasi-suite of Pro apps that are not Final Cut Pro, that are not Logic, that are not Xcode, and you'll see sort of a you know a middle ground there. And mm-hmm. so I think you saw that with Swift Playgrounds and some of the Xcloud, sorry, the Xcode Cloud stuff they've been doing recently, but I don't think we're anywhere near full-blown mac replicas or ipad replicas of those pro apps so i'm not sure where those rumors came from or quite frankly a lot of the rumors of stuff some of the from some of the people you have on your pod hey hey wait 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 are you are you are you throwing are you are you firing taking shots mark come on i'm not taking shots i'm just saying sometimes like i'll listen to some podcasts or i'll read some tweets or some articles and it's like yeah, I know that's definitely not true. Yep, that's definitely not true. That's definitely not true. But I don't want to just come out and shoot down yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. every rumor because quite frankly, I, I see articles sometimes where people that are built around the idea of shooting down a rumor. Mm, mm. And I think those are sort of, you know, probably pretentious and, you know, maybe a little narcissistic. We kind of have like an internal rule, like where at least where I work, where we try not to do stories that are called like you know, and I not, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we call it. And that means like, you don't write an article built around shooting down the reporting of another news organization. Because quite frankly, I think it sort of comes across as like, and I'm leaving my company out of this, but this yeah, is yeah, just yeah. my personal perspective. Like, I think it sort of comes across as why is my word better than this other mm. person's word? Like let their reporting live and let my reporting live and we'll see what comes out. But yeah, I try not to, play the shooting down game 
Because so also, much. you quite frankly never know what's going to happen. Apple's a big company, and you know what? Maybe someone got it, and maybe I didn't, and that's okay. Well, I mean, the part of the reason why I love having you on here too. I mean, you've you built a you built a strong credibility. And yes, not every quote unquote rumor happens, but I know for a fact, knowing you for years. I mean, we've known each other for a long time. That um, y- you know, you're not going to throw out any report there that you don't not only feel but have like rock solid source to back it up. So you know, I I know personally from where you're coming from. I appreciate that. It's not. I don't want to say it's pettiness, but it's kind of your your industry and your art and your niche, and you don't want it to be watered down um, by people that throw rumors out just because they heard from a random email. You know, I think there's a difference between someone throwing that out versus you know, kind of the the history that you've set precedent for of you know the validity of your report. So. I, th- I think it's kind of a. It's okay to say like, yeah, it's a point of pride for you that you're like, I'm only going to do it a certain way, right? Yeah, but everyone also starts somewhere, right? Yeah. Right. Like maybe in the beginning, you know, uh, you know, I don't remember 12 years ago, but you know, it was it was a totally different ball game 12 years True. ago than it is today in terms of who you're talking to, how reliable you are. So you build up reputation over time. So you know, it's also very possible that people who might not have a very good reputation today could have a very good reputation in a few years from now. Right. And so, you know, things are, you know, time isn't necessarily stuck, right. Things change, things happen and people improve. And I guess just, that's just how life goes in (laughs) in work and Mm -hmm. everything you do. Right. Like it's true, man. You were in a different place five years ago than you know, you are today. Right. Absolutely. In a different place in five years from now. So I don't know. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And ho- and hopefully, if we're both in this game, you'll still come on my podcast in five years. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what we'll happens. See. Maybe, maybe. I, I bet. I don't know. Maybe we'll end up doing an NBA podcast, Mark. That may- yeah, maybe that's what, what's in five years. No one will listen to it, but it'll just be you and me I, talking about the NBA. I, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised <laughs> if we were talking about Apple in five years from now. <laughs> so hey, I have a I have a question for you. We talked about software at WWDC. We know yeah. that um, there's so much, right? We're not even in June and we're expecting so much new hardware to still kind of fill out the end of the year. Um, do you expect for us to actually... I know you've intimated it, but you haven't kind of put your flag in the ground. Like, Do you expect us to actually see any hardware this year? Because WWDC, there's so many platforms they have now. It's kind of hard to squeeze in hardware. But then I also <laughs> look at like the end of the year. I'm like saying, how are they going to squeeze all this hardware in like a fall season if they don't release something at WWDC. So where are you at with that? Here's my concern. It's the, uh, the chip shortage and mm. the situation in China where a lot of the Apple suppliers have been locked down. Uh, just today, we're recording on Friday. There was, I don't know if it was described as a riot mm, or I saw that. a fight. Yeah, some you know factory workers versus the factory. And these are people working at the MacBook factory. Uh, not being able to do their work. So if they're supposed to release the new MacBook Air and the new, and the new low-end MacBook Pro uh, with M2 chips, in it's Friday, May 6th, so basically exactly a month from mm-hmm. now. How are you supposed to get those out of the out the door when you're having this situation right in the middle of you know high ramp time, right? And yeah. so that is what I'm grappling with, right? They maybe announce it and, and ship it later. Maybe these things have been produced for months. Maybe there's alternative factories. So in the current climate, it's sort of hard to put that 
that flag down. Uh, you know, what I feel comfortable saying is that Apple had plans to release two new Macs uh, in the next uh, month or so, right? Mm-hmm, so either mm-hmm. this month or, or next month, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, including that MacBook Air. So we shall see what happens on the production side, right? Nonetheless, there are, I think, about 10 new M2 machines pretty deep into development. <laughs> there's the MacBook Air. Uh, there's the, hold on, let me open my list. But there's the... It's so many. I know. It's like you could I go know. down. So for those who want the summary, it's the MacBook Air, uh, the Mac Mini, and the MacBook Pro baseline, all with the M2. Then there's the 14 and 16 inch MacBook Pros with the M2 Pro and M2 Max. Uh, and then there's the Mac Pro that's based on the M2 as well. Those will probably launch uh, into next year, probably, right? Mm-hmm. And then, because these, I'm on an M1 Max MacBook Pro and it still feels pretty. Oh, it's pretty so darn nice. New. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah. The um, interesting. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, interestingly, they're also testing a uh, Mac Mini with an M1 Pro, but you know, I don't really see uh, the need for that if there's going to be, uh, you know, like why would they do an M1 Pro and not an M2 Pro? Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe they're trying to remove competition with the sort of baseline M1 Max, uh, Mac Studio, and then it's looking like the iMax and the next Mac Studio will probably be in the uh in the m3 line so that will be a little further down and then the imac uh pro as well probably in that m3 line range all right thanks to ZocDoc again for supporting the apple bits xl no one knows what you're looking for in a doctor better than you and no one's better at giving you the tools to find the perfect doctor than ZocDoc. The people who created ZocDoc found the major pain points in healthcare, so all the things that weren't working and said, enough, and they made booking a great doctor surprisingly pain-free. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them, read up on local doctors, get verified patient reviews, and see what other real humans had to say about their visits. So when you walk into that doctor's office, you're set up to see someone in your network who gets you. Go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot, and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit, and just like that, you're booked. Find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment that works for your schedule. Every month, millions and millions of people use ZocDoc, and it's a go-to whenever you need to find and book a doctor. Now, in this chaotic world of healthcare, let ZocDoc be your trusted guide to find a quality doctor in a way that is surprisingly pain-free. With ZocDoc, you can get your docs in a row. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash AppleBits and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash AppleBits. I mean, there's so there's so many. You know, I did want to touch back really quickly on the article that just was recently reported that you referenced. So basically at, like you said, one of the MacBook Pro factories, because they have multiple um, locations, they work with different, um, you know, builders and distributors. So it was, it was a plant owned by Quanta Computer. And basically, because China is really strict about trying to prevent, um, you know, the spread of COVID-19, they do really strict lockdowns. And one of the things that they've done is that in China, you know, to try and foster and keep this contained, they'll have workers that agree to basically live on campus in dormitories for at a month at a time. So they're not coming in and out um, and going back into the public space. But 
what happened is on-site MacBook Pro workers, they broke through some of these kind of COVID barriers because they were denied permission to at least even go back to their dormitories to rest. So it is, you know, it's not like you said, it, it, we wouldn't characterize it as a riot, but it's definitely like, um, I don't want to say an uprising, but a, maybe a little bit of a rebellion. And that's going to obviously like we don't, we're not privy to these things, but there are people that are making these computers that end up in our hands. And that affects the ultimately the supply chain and all that. But, you know, it, I don't know what the lockdown exactly was like, but that's what's happening. And so to your point, you know, that's a MacBook Pro factory. A MacBook Air is a, is a different, you know, they're not working on the MacBook Airs at that specific, um, where that specifically happened. But, you know, people are probably wondering like, what, what does he mean by what's going on there? So I just wanted to at least give people a little context of, of the situation. Yeah. I mean, regardless of how you want to classify it, it mm-hmm. is a situation and it is a bottleneck. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so clearly this, uh, these latest COVID closures are having a real impact. I mean, if you think about how many units each of these factories is able to output <laughs> each model a day, right. And you have a month closure, that's pretty darn significant. Like I mean, hundreds of uh, thousands are going to be affected. Right. And so you remember the iPhone 12 delays at the end of 2020, uh, right in the height of COVID, right. That mm-hmm. was, you know, because, due to those closures, right? Mm-hmm. Not being able to get the people in there because the phone was done, right? It was yeah. just about production at that point. I mean, you know, when we talk about this, I don't want to be insensitive to the fact that like, we're lucky, again, I always say this, we're lucky to like cover tech and have tech. Like it is so, you know, so sometimes people don't think about what's actually happening to deliver these like amazing products in our hands. Um, I did want to talk about a little bit about the Apple Watch, you know, you talked about WatchOS 9. And are are we going to finally get some level of like sleep activity? I know that the whole health sensor, that that's an issue where there's a lot of testing that still has to go on. Everyone is saying, Brian, where's the blood pressure? Where's the blood sugar? I'm like, that stuff's not easy to, to execute. And there there is no, at least up to this point, a true built-in blood glucose monitoring sensor on any platform yet that is made through. We know we have the accessories and kind of the third-party solutions, but not literally built into the back of a watch. Um, you know, I know your reporting has been really tracking this closely and talking about how those sensors are literally a few years away from even making it to the Apple Watch. But let's start like on a basic level. Is, is Apple going to do anything with their sleep tracking to, to kind of improve that for this year round? So I haven't used the Apple Watch sleep tracking since you don't need the to. original version launched. <laughs> yeah, so remind me in the, in the audience, what is sleep tracker capable of doing today? And what is it not capable of doing? And what it's, do we want it to be able to do? It's really more of a system where it tells you, it like reminds you, hey, you should go to sleep to get optimal sleep. It'll show you like how many hours you are resting. But a lot of times people want to see like their sleep REM patterns. They want to see when they were in deep sleep, when they're not. And so some of these third-party sleep apps give you like really granular data about that. But Apple's up to this point has been using it kind of as a, let's just call it like more of a sleep training tool to get mm-hmm. you to go to sleep and get as much rest as possible, which is fine. I mean, that's very more basic consumer. But I think there's... Uh, because data is everything now, I think there's a lot of users that would just like to see more data. But it, also, you could just go download a third-party app instead if you're just not happy with what Apple does. 
I just think that with Apple kind of being this health leader and trying to be at the forefront of this digital health device on your wrist, that they could bring more to the table from that standpoint. They really should find whatever the best. Uh, maybe you have some Rex, the best uh, sleep tracker. Sleep Plus is a, yeah, Sleep Plus is a really good one to check out. So they should just buy them. It probably exactly. wouldn't cost them much comparatively, and just you know have them build it and integrate it into the watch. I think I've heard of Sleep Plus. Yeah, it's fairly popular, and I think it does a good job providing granular detail. I think it's uh, this year or next. I can't remember that they're going to do an upgrade to the sleep tracking. And the um, is this is there a sleep app? I don't even remember. There, there's a sleep. Um, there, the, look, you, you, we our brains oh, are brains. I have it right mushy. here. It's it's a sleep yeah. app, but it's literally like a it's sleep trainer. Like, go to sleep. Go to, wake I'm up. Looking at it right now, this looks pretty useless. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're going to do an upgrade for that this year or next. I don't remember. Uh, the blood pressure is supposed to be in the series ten, mm. the Apple Watch series ten. Um, that's sort of a significant thing. And then the glucose, that's, uh, probably, what is it? 2022 at this point Mm -hmm. right now, it's probably at least five to seven years away. Uh, that's a really hard problem. And they've actually been working on that since about 2012, 2013. So that's probably about, you know, that's going to be like a 15 year development cycle before that comes out. But that's not something you could necessarily screw up. Um, what's interesting about the body temp that they're going to do this year and the blood pressure in a few years is that typically when you go take your blood pressure or your body temperature, and everyone knows this, this is obvious, the machine doesn't tell you, hey, you have high blood pressure or you have a high body temperature. It tells you what your body temperature is. It tells you what your blood pressure is, whether that's 130 over 80 or 110 over 60, who knows, right? Whereas the features in development for the Apple Watch I believe they're basically just going to tell you, you know, it's going to be pretty, you know, black or white, whereas you have high blood pressure or Mm -hmm. your blood pressure is normal, or you have a high body temp or your body temp is normal. And then go to a doctor or go use, you know, a traditional blood pressure checker or traditional body temperature checker to do that diagnostic to get that number. Whereas glucose, that's really something you can't screw with and Mm -hmm. you can't really give a, oh, you have a high glucose or not a high glucose because you know, there's so much meaning in that blood sugar score, right? I know, obviously, you want to probably stay below 99 non-fasting, but, like, depending on if you have diabetes or depending on your circumstances, depending on if you just ate, that number can fluctuate. So they need to release a blood sugar system that uh, is able to tell you an actual granular number and give you actual detail without poking in your skin. And that is not only a problem that Apple hasn't been able to solve, but it's a problem that nobody has been mm-hmm, able to solve. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even seem like there's light at the end of the tunnel on that one yet. So it's going to be quite a bit of time. Uh, obviously, that's the quote-unquote holy grail. Yeah. Blood pressure is probably number two. They added O2 a couple of years ago, which is fine. They give you the actual number there, uh, which is important as well, because you can't. it's not really a black or white type of thing right you can't just say oh your o2 is low oh my god what does that mean right mm-hmm. so like for some of these things they have to actually give you uh you know some insights i'm hoping the blood pressure feature and the body temp feature will be strong enough at launch that they'll be able to give actual fine numbers because i think that's a pretty powerful utility for consumers if apple is able to if apple is able to actually pull that off uh i'm also interesting interested to see how much you know FDA regulation and FDA collaboration we end up seeing from Apple on these features, if there is going to be uh, any ability to get these FDA approved, if they're going to be able to work with insurance companies to sell these devices on discount. So I think there's a load of possibilities there, mm-hmm. but you know I think the ambitions 
or the technology needs to catch up with some of the ambitions. Yeah, it, it you know it feels like like even there's people. Quite honestly, I didn't need to upgrade to a Series Seven. I had a Series Four, and I think you know we Apple has a, an audience that has a certain segment of it has a voracious appetite that feels like if you don't give me something to upgrade this year, I'm upset. Like you aren't innovating. I mean, it does feel like yeah, the Apple Watch pretty much does what it does. Has it plateaued to a certain degree? Right now, it has until we get kind of those next generation health sensors. But the Apple Watch is still badass. So I always find it funny. Like, I don't know if you hear or feel this, but there's like a vocal audience that gets mad after keynotes when Apple doesn't give them something to upgrade. Like, Apple doesn't give them a reason to spend their money. I think the March event was a good example. Like, I don't care about the SE, I don't care about the iPad mini. I'm not a pro user. This event sucked. I don't care about the Mac Studio. I'm like, what are you? T- what are you? T- what are you talking about? Right. So yeah. I think there's. I don't know if you feel that sometimes, but I think there's like that built-in element in the Apple fan base as well. Put it this way: I saved money in March. Right. There was something yeah. at that event for me to buy, so I guess I'm happy about that. You know, the Mac Studio is not for me. Mm-hmm. I'm really on the go these days, and you know, I never know where I'll be working physically from one day to the next. So. I sort of need that laptop. Obviously, conferences are starting up again, and I think having a laptop and a desktop is sort of a, uh, you know, I don't know, it's sort of a mess having to, you know, sync the two and all that. So, you know, we'll see what we'll, we'll see what happens later in the year or if any of the uh, the new iMacs and such down the road pick my interest. But mm-hmm. at this point, I'm laptop only. One thing I've been doing is I've been paying off this MacBook Pro on the Apple Card monthly installments, Yeah. right? And so it's like, I don't know, 160 bucks a month because I traded in a machine. And then, you know, if this M2 Max version of the MacBook Pro comes out, you know, that will be paid off by then. And then I can trade this in. How much value do I get from that? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe I'll be able to start paying off for paying off the M2 Max one at half the cost I was paying for this one. And so I've sort of, you know, looking at it a little bit of a Mac subscription service. And, you know, with the iPhone, though, I don't think I'm going to use the Apple subscription service because I just find it easier and more valuable to just buy the phone outright and then trade it in each year and use the cash towards the new version. So Yeah, you're, you're referencing the report that you're talking about Apple looking into like a leasing hardware type program, right? Yeah, yeah, for the uh, for the iPhone specifically, right? Uh, separate from Apple Car monthly installments and the iPhone upgrade program. And I don't think that's going to come at WWDC, probably end of year earliest with the iPhone 14, maybe next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that is fascinating. I just find what Apple's doing in finance particularly fascinating right now. It seems like they're going all the way up to the edge of becoming their own bank mm-hmm. because they probably want to st- uh, stick away or stay away from sort of the regulatory aspects, right? Yeah. Like if you think health is difficult with regulators, I mean, the, the fintech industry and the financial industry, uh, that's a whole... Uh, another beast. So um, you think you wanted to talk about the Apple headset as well, right? And the, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you know, because, you know, thanks for coming on and we have limited time, but I wanted to also kind of touch on, you've done a lot of reporting about this Apple headset and, you know, with all the hard, I just, you know, the latest timetables that people and yourself have thrown out is that it probably most likely won't show up this year but where are you at with the headset? I mean, it's it's kind of one of those... It's Apple's kind of the fascinating product they have. We don't know how it's going to really do. We don't know how Apple's going to actually present it. We have ideas from your reporting. But um, what are your thoughts on the Apple headset? 
I don't think it'll be released until the tail end of this year at the very earliest. Mm-hmm. Probably next year is much more likely. Um, they've talked about introducing it alongside the iPhone 14 later in the year or holding their own event for it. Uh, obviously, WWDC was the uh, initial plan, right? They actually first talked about doing it at WWDC 2020 wow. and 2021 <laughs> and 2022. And so WWDC 2023, that's going to be where the AR headset uh, that's, that's going to be a lot, all about the AR headset, <laughs> probably the next version, version 2.0 of mm-hmm. uh, ROS at, at that point. Uh, I think the first version, what they're still trying to figure out is what is the real pull for consumers to buy this thing? What is the content that you really want on this VR headset? What are we able to bring to this device that's unique, right? Why should you spend, you know, $2,000 plus <laughs> on this headset instead of spending you know, $1,000 on the Oculus Cambria or the Meta Cambria coming out in a few months. Why should we spend $2,000 plus on this instead of getting a sub $500, you know, Meta VR Oculus headset, right? The Quest 2 or the Quest 3 or whatever Mm -hmm. they're going to come out with next, right? And so I still think they're trying to figure that out from both a development standpoint and a marketing standpoint. So I think there's a lot of room still for this device to advance. And I think it's going to be similar to the Apple Watch in that, you know, it took Apple a year or two to figure out why people wanted the watch and what they should refocus the watch on. And I'm sure you remember that whole shift they did from, you know, being a luxury fashion oriented product to more of a mini iPhone on your wrist and notifications and a fitness device. Quite frankly, I think Apple missed big time on the Apple Watch out of the gate, Mm -hmm. not only on the on the on the speed, right? Like the chip was pretty crappy on the first version, but in terms of how it was positioned, I thought that, I mean, I would think that if I was developing this device that consumers, right? Apple fans, the mass consumers, they literally would want a mini iPhone strapped to their wrist, (laughs) right? They would want a fitness tracker. They would want it for notifications. They would want it to make calls and stuff, right? Text messages and whatnot. And I think that you know, by adding the keyboard with the Watch Series 7 last year. I mean, I think that was secretly one of the huge additions. Like, I can text from this thing. I can write email from this thing. And I think the keyboard on there is pretty phenomenal, right? And so I think from the get-go, it should have always been positioned as this mini iPhone because how cool is that, right? And you know what? A mini iPhone could also have... I'm still waiting for FaceTime on my Apple Watch. I I know it's such a out-there luxury idea, but... And there are privacy concerns because always people are going to do stupid things, but people have done stupid things with their phones. But damn. Well, I don't, I don't know if we really can talk about privacy and <laughs> air tags, right? So if like the air tags are a thing, right? I don't, I think all bets are off with the FaceTime on the watch. I think that would be ridiculously cool. My only concern is arm fatigue, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do it for like, an, I would do it for like five minutes with you and just be like, damn. I just did a I just did a video FaceTime call like Dick Tracy on my wrist. Like right. just the and, idea and the question, of that is just cool. Well, the question is do you only have one camera just for video? Do you have a camera sort of on the top uh like facing like if you want to take a picture, right? Like take a picture of something. <laughs> so do you have dual cameras? Do you put the camera on the bottom? You know, what what do you do with it? And then how do you sort of squeeze that in there without taking up too much real estate and, and thickness for adding that that sensor in yep. there, right? So what kind of quality do you want, right? I mean, I remember they had that video camera in the uh, iPod Nano, I want to say, in 2009. That was very crummy, but I guess it worked. And I think that Nano was probably the thinnest or a little bit thinner than the watch at this point. So I guess it could be done. Maybe they're waiting for a way to integrate it into the display. 
so I think there's a long, you know, roadmap of ideas they could potentially, you know, add to the watch. This year, I think, is going to be the most significant year in terms of new watch hardware, right? And probably software as well. With the Series 8, the new SE, and the Series 8 Rugged Edition or Adventure mm-hmm. or Explorer Edition, that's a ruggedized casing. They've been talking about adding this satellite connectivity feature, like an SOS mode, to both the iPhone and the watch. So maybe that'll arrive in tandem with the, the Rugged Edition for hikers and such. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty excited to see what that rugged one ends up looking like. And obviously, uh, you know, how the series eight shakes out. I have the, the space gray steel, uh, series seven. Right? Yes, um, I'd probably stick to that same color for the uh, next one. I'm hey. actually wearing the Milanese right now. So. Ooh, so, so smooth. So Mark, uh, you know, with all these products that we talked about, which one is the product that you personally are looking most forward to, to for this year for 2022? Well, for 2022, I mean, in terms of what I would probably get for myself, yeah, I don't think I would get the new MacBook Air just because I have this new MacBook Pro here. Just came out what six months ago, yeah. So that's probably out of the picture. Um, so I think you can rule out Macs. Uh, get the Apple Watch, very likely. The iPhone, very likely. Um, I don't know if I'm going to need the new AirPods Pro, right? I've been using them less and less. I'm using the AirPods Pro right now, and it's only because my AirPods Max are out of battery, right? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I don't know if I'll upgrade. We'll see. It depends how cool they are. Uh, and then what else? Oh, the iPad. Yeah, I'll probably get a new iPad Pro. I'm on the 2020 iPad Pro. I haven't been using it much because, it honestly, it's become a bit sluggish. And, you know, I don't carry it around with me because I've been using the Mac more primarily. Uh, but yeah, I'll probably take a hard look at the iPad Pro, and yeah. You know, so the, so, so wait, so wait. Which one are you most excited about, whether you buy it or not? <laughs> oh, excited about? Well, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what this new MacBook Air ends up looking like. Yeah, so I, me too. I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, industry wide, right? Yep. So probably that MacBook Air and, and that iPad Pro. Uh, lots of fascinating stuff further down the road. I know you wanted to talk about the Apple Car. So I'm sure you saw my story earlier this week. They hired a 31-year veteran uh, at, from Ford. And this person, she was in charge of uh, vehicle safety for both terrestrial cars and EV cars. Uh, she was in charge of interior and exterior design and chassis and underlying electrical components for several Ford models over the years from the Ford Fiesta uh also some Lincoln models. Obviously, Lincoln is under the Ford umbrella. Mm-hmm. And so what they've done here is they brought in someone with real-world car world expertise, right, with regulator expertise, with car design expertise. And so they're sort of trying to rebuild a lot of the departures they had from the car world on that car team. And so I think this hire uh, is yet another indicator that this this vehicle is still in the works. And this is going to be a thing. So long term, the two things that are most exciting to me, mm-hmm. definitely that Apple car, definitely the AR glasses, which uh, for those unfamiliar, Apple's on a two track approach. First is a mixed reality headset. It's going to look like a VR headset, have some augmented reality only capabilities or mixed AR capabilities, similar to Project Cambria. And then when the tech is ready, you know, several years down the road, you'll have these AR only glasses which is like an iphone for your face right yeah baby and it's sort of the same approach facebook is taking and i think that's 
I think that's pretty pretty damn cool. Uh, my personal bet is these are going to be called Apple Reality or Apple Vision. Mm. Let's see. Those are guesses. Just guesses. I, I, I like it. I like it. I think that, you know, it's... It's one of those things where we've seen how much turmoil the Apple car division has had and clearly they're not they're not stopping it, right? Like departures, management changes, talent changes. Um in a weird way, you know, this recent hire from this Ford executive feels like the most car savvy person they've had in that position whereas in the past they've put like some of the VPs of hardware and things of that nature even um um, who's 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 in front of it? Right, who's leading? It? Is it? Um, I, oh it's, my gosh, uh, his name slipped Kevin my mind. Lynch. Yeah, Kevin Lynch, yeah, the Kevin. Apple Watch um lead for a yeah. while. Um, so maybe this is what they need to kindly uh, pardon the pun, uh, get things back on track. Well, it's interesting because the AR project and the car project they both kicked off around the same time, twenty fifteen ish, right? And this AR project feels like we're closer than ever yeah. uh, to seeing the finished product. And this car project, it seems like we're farther than ever from seeing, you know, the, the finished product. Obviously, uh, you know, you can't really compare the development time true, true. and resources needed to glasses in a car, right? But definitely uh, an interesting anecdote. All right, Mark. Um, thank you so much for your time, buddy. Thanks for coming on. You know, um, thank I you. really appreciate this is fun. it. Always, always. Hey, uh, before you go, though, you and I are both basketball fans. Um, what's your NBA Finals prediction as of today? We're in round two of the playoffs. Who's going to the finals and who's going to take the chip home? So in the West, obviously, it's going to be your Warriors. I know you like. You think it's obviously? That. I'm still not sure if it's the Warriors yet. Oh, that's a classic Warriors, arrogant <laughs> Warriors fan thing to say. Oh, no, it's not going to be us, right? No, I don't no. know. I really don't know. You yeah, do I think know. they have. They have. You, you they, do know. I don't do know if they can who, come. Who else would it be? Well, to me, the Warriors execution at the end of games is really poor. And the Suns have the best execution of the most hungry. They just seem like the most well put together team from a poise standpoint right now so um listen i hope holes. you're right but i do think it's the warriors but i, I hope it's the right. warriors but i'm just being more realistic okay who you got in the east though yeah that's tougher well i, I got take, i got the bucks uh, i got the bucks yeah i have the bucks too it's you either bucks take, or celtics uh, well i don't i think philly is an absolute disaster of a team <laughs> uh i as much as i should i don't trust miami in those situations though they did go to the finals a few years ago and they looked pretty poised. Um, You're gonna say, man. Yeah, I think I think Boston is one year away and one piece away. I think Giannis, Giannis, you know, gets it done. And Giannis, I do Giannis. think they beat they beat Golden State in the finals. I'm not as a big, not only a Giannis fan, but just seeing how the Bucks play. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Obviously, I hope the Warriors do it, but I don't know if anyone can really stop Giannis. Maybe the Celtics can. We'll find out. But you have nope. <laughs> Bucks. You have Bucks. Warriors. Bucks take the chip back to back. That's that's what I've got. Let's All right. See what happens. All right. And then Lakers next year, of course. Mark, I, I honestly, as your friend and peer, uh, I, I can tell you use Twitter as Lake as basketball therapy about the Lakers. Yep. Yeah, it's, I know I'm delusional about it. It's so painful, but it, it makes me smile and laugh, and I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's so. funny, it's funny. All right, buddy. Hey, um, I know fine. you're always thank busy. You. Yes, I know you're a busy, thank man. You, so, sir. thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, we'll get you on the next one. Okay. All right, sir. You All right, well. later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. So there you go. Kind of think about this. 
I guess it's like a mini mid-year preview before WWDC 22. Were there any nuggets in there that you found interesting? I thought uh, the biggest thing was that you know, he, he hasn't outright said until he talked about it here on the podcast, but he outright said that Apple was and has been planning to put out two Macs, but it's the supply chain and the chip availability and that will determine whether we'll see those at WWDC, a MacBook Air and potentially a Mac Mini or not. So a uh, lot of nuggets in there and also kind of a way for you to catch up on what's the latest, but we really covered everything. And I just, the whole Apple car thing, I, I'm not, based on what other manufacturers are doing, and now that we're starting to see, really, you're starting to see a lot of uh, incumbent car companies see what Tesla's done. They have a few years now, and they're making better built cars from an actual build quality uh, and that are specific to the genres and types of cars that Tesla's. Like, Tesla does, it's still the interior, the car, like the way it functions, it feels like the future. But when you talk about actual build quality cars... Tesla has a long ways to go there. But then I also think about like, hey, the actual infrastructure for charging, if you want the best one that is in place and is the fastest, then it's like, well, you got to look at Tesla. I've been looking at a Rivian as a utility vehicle down the road. And I'm always like, well, uh, I hope that their charging situation gets figured out. I think that that's always going to be the biggest challenge right now based on how the infrastructure is laid out. So, uh, We'll see. I on a scale of one to ten, if you talk to me about the Apple Car, um, I'm pretty low on it. I'm like a three or a four right now. But hey, you never know. Uh, we always say that. We say about that about Apple and the smart home. You never know what's going to happen. Now, before we get out of here, big thanks to our platinum apples at the $100 level: Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, and Atari Koenigsegg. And thank you to all of you who continue to support this podcast and make it happen at Patreon.com. Slash Brian Tong starting at two dollars, five dollars a cup of coffee, ten, twenty-five, and the one hundred dollar platinum Apple level. Early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show, and it supports everything that I do. So, thanks so much, everybody. We will be back. Uh, I assume I'll be healthier, and I'll be pumping out content next week. That's the assumption. Everything should clear up by then. But until then, take everybody, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace.